Welcome to the Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. Hey, how's it going out there, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle. Jamie Eads joining you as always. This is episode 72. I hope you're having a fantastic week out there. I certainly am over here at the Drum Shuffle World Headquarters. Right at the top of the show, I want to send a huge congratulations to my beautiful daughter, Skylar. She graduated eighth grade this week, so uh, we are partying here at the Eads house. Skylar is off to the University of North Carolina School of the Arts as a ballet major for their high school ballet conservatory. So I wanted to congratulate my daughter right here at the top of the episode. It's been a big week for us. Uh, So I wanted to share that news with all of you. We're proud as we can be of our daughter. We have just one of the living legends in drums and percussion history joining us today. I just absolutely could not be any more excited than to announce that we will be joined in just a moment by Horacio El Negro Hernandez. We're going to talk all about his career and a new project that he has out that is just stellar. I can't say any more than that. So please stay tuned after this message from our sponsor, Los Cabos Drumsticks. The best kept secret for drummers is finally out. Los Cabos drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with, but these are not your father's drumsticks. Los Cabos drumsticks is Canada's number one drumstick brand, and they are coming to a retailer near you. With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Los Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the US, Los Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Los Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red hickory comes from the center or heart of the hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than white hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned red hickory, Los Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it, becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of red hickory drumsticks. To learn more about Los Cabos Drumsticks, visit them online at loscabosdrumsticks.com Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and don't forget to ask for Los Cabos Drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different. Join the Red Hickory Revolution with Los Cabos Drumsticks. All right, guys and girls, as I mentioned, we're going to be joined by the legendary Horacio El Negro Hernandez in just a moment. Negro came to the United States from his native Cuba in 1990, and I am not joking when I say this. I don't think he's had two solid weeks off from playing on somebody's record, touring with someone since that time. 
Um, if you know anything about Afro-Cuban music, you know that this is the man. Um, he is a Grammy Award winner. Uh, he mentions in the interview that he is still playing in 21 different groups. Uh, he has a fantastic new DVD CD out with his band, Italuba, uh, which is just tremendous. It's available digitally now. The physical copy is coming. Um, but I, I was just so thrilled to get this guy on the show. Um, he has just been a huge influence on me. Uh, it's stupefying what this man can do behind a drum set. And for you rock guys and girls out there, um, you will certainly remember the great Santana album, Supernatural, from the late 90s. Um, and that was Negro as well. So please help me welcome the legendary Horacio El Negro Hernandez to the drum shuffle. Horacio, good afternoon. How are you, sir? Great, Jamie. Great to be with you here at Drum Shuffle. Oh, well, I, I appreciate you taking the time to do it. I know that uh, I know that your schedule is very hectic. You are a highly in-demand guy, so thanks for taking time to come on our show. You're very welcome. Very welcome, Jamie. So uh, I want to start sort of at the beginning, if we can, um, you know, growing up in Cuba, um, we've had other Cuban drummers on the show before, but I think you have a little bit of a unique perspective being, um, you know, you come from a musical family, but tell us a little bit about your childhood in Cuba and, and how you became a drummer to begin with. Yes, you say, as you say, I'm coming from a very, very musical family. My grandfather was a trumpet player of traditional Cuban music. And my father was the biggest jazz freak that, that Cuba had ever produced. So home was full of music and full of percussion instruments. They were my toys as a kid. <laughs> you know, I still have, yeah, I still have a very small pair of clavis. Uh, with the ones that my grandfather taught me how to play the rhythm of the clave and all that. So as a little kid, I was always playing at home, but uh, and then and then I think that uh, that I went madly in love with drums since I was born, since the day I was born. Because even if at home were other instruments like my grandfather's trumpet or the piano, I was always dreaming with drums and to, to play the drums, even if they never had a drum seventeen, I was like twelve or something like that. So at eight at age of eight my father took me to the very first lesson and and it was with a teacher that that it was too too rigid to teach kids. I mean to me it's very interesting how to teach a kid, you have to have a kid having fun the whole time. Right. So so he's entertained and he's having a great time. You cannot massacre a little kid with rudiments and you have to do the paradido for half an hour and things like that because a little kid only wants to have fun. That right. So this, this teacher was too rigid. And and I quit. I told my father, this is not what I want. I want to play like Ringo Starr. 
<laughs> you know, yeah. Of course, yeah. So, so it was many, as I told you, home were many musical influences. There was my father with, with jazz, but it was too crazy for me as a little kid listening to Joe Coltrane or Ornette Coleman or any of those jazz, uh, free jazz luminaries, actually. It was too much for a kid, too. And my grandfather's music, that, that was traditional Cuban music, it was the music of the old people, too. So there was my brother listening to the Beatles and the Stones and all rock and roll and stuff. And that's how I got into music. You know, so if I can tell you a list of drummers that, that made my, my path, I will definitely start with Ringo, then Charlie Watts, then John Bonham, then Bill Bruford came with Yes. Right. And then and then from Bruford, it was uh, easy to make a bridge with Chick Corea's Return to Forever with Lenny Wright or with Steve Gadd, then Billy Coburn, Tony Williams, then there was jazz right already and right. then Elvin Jones and then and then jazz musicians were playing Afro-Cuban music too Lizzie Gillespie was playing with Channel Bosso so that's how I went then into Cuban music through jazz you know but the thing is that is that Cuba is a, a an extremely percussive country in Cuba, you hear percussion in almost every block, every single day. Right. Because it's also, the drum is also related to religious uh, parties and, and, to, and to religious life in general. So you hear the drum all day, not only because of people having fallen up, but also because of religious ceremonies and stuff. Huh? So... So then at 13, I enrolled myself in the National School of Arts in Havana uh, in percussion. And, and I went to the school only for, for, for one year because I was thrown out after a year. <laughs> and the, the reason why they threw me out of the school, it was because I never went to any class but the drum class. <laughs> I was in, in the drum department from eight AM to eight thirty at night. Yeah. So at the end at the end of the year the the other teachers didn't even know who I was. Right? <laughs> so so but I did the four years of precaution in that year. In one year I did the four years of precaution. And I had the opportunity there to have a great, great teacher. His name is Santiago Ranger. And these days, he's the, the, the major of the percussion department in the University of Belo Horizonte in Brazil. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, um, my teacher, Santiago, was uh, the first person that opened my mind regarding coordination, independence. Uh, he was the one who told me that, that drumming was not only technique, <clears throat> that there was a lot more than just being able to play fast or, or, or strong, you know. It was sure. a lot more than that. So 
So I went to the school this year, and then when they threw me out, I asked my teacher, I asked Santiago, so what should I do now? And he told me, you are already ready to become a professional musician. Go and play. So my professional life started very early, at the age of 14. And since then, we have been kind of a non-stop. <laughs> well, yeah. Going around, going around the world like a people ball. Yeah. Playing every room, yeah. Well, I mean, and your work ethic is, I mean, it's legendary in the business. And, you know, I may get some of this wrong, but you worked as a session musician in the studios in Cuba. And I, I think right. I've read someplace that you would play up to 20 hours a day on sessions? Yeah, yeah, I had a little mattress in the studio. And sometimes I was finishing a session, sleeping for an hour or two, another seven, eight hour session. And it was constantly doing records every day for years. And it was a great school, you know, because that studio, the Egrem Studios, which are the biggest, uh, the biggest label in Cuba, actually, uh, they have hundreds of, of artists and like or maybe 20 different rangers or something like that. So when you are reading music, it's very interesting and important that you just don't read music that has been written by only one person. Right. But more you change, you know, more more you have the opportunity to read the music of different arrangers, and certainly you're going to learn a lot because it's, I mean, not everybody knows how to write the drums for drum set the, the way it's supposed to be done. You know, there's so many ways to write for a drum set. And then mostly of the arrangers don't don't really know the instrument well enough to know what is possible and what is not. So sometimes they write you things that are impossible to play. I like hit five things at once. We cannot hit five things at once. <laughs> well, we I, hit, I, we... I mean, you might be able to because I, I you know, I. The thing that the thing that strikes me about your playing that has always, you know, kind of stood out to me about your playing is that you're you're truly ambidextrous. I mean, you can do anything with your left hand that you can do with your right hand. Same thing with your feet. I mean, some of the clave stuff that I've seen you do is just it would be impossible for somebody like me to even attempt so did you kind of, did, were you born with that ability or is it something you developed? No, we learned it. We learned it. <clears throat> and we started thinking about it, watching Billy Cobham. Ah, you know, okay. when, when we were kids and Billy was playing left hand, but right feet. So, so it was like a, a place where we looked for coordination matters, you know, we have to, to switch all the heads. So every every exercise that we practice, we, pra we practice it always both, leading with both hands, you know, 
I see. And every single exercise, we always play a right and left. And then also, one of my big influences is a drummer, a Cuban drummer from a very famous band named Iraquere. And his name is Enrique Bla. And he's a left-handed drummer, but he plays with the with the kid set for a right-handed. So he leads with his left hand, but plays a bass drum with the right foot. I see. You know, and 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 it's a great advantage to play that way because you never have your hands crossed. Right. Oh, your sure. Arm, your arms are never crossed. So you have the drum set open to play anything you need, every any sound you need in a given moment. You know, because you, if you're leading with your left, you have the whole drum set free for your right hand to work with it. You know, and same way that when you play the right symbol with your right hand, you kind of have the whole kit free to play with the left. Yeah. So that's exactly how we went into into practicing leading with right or left. Well, you know, again, you know, just some of the things that I've seen you do, you know, with like a left foot lead, even, you know, just some of the patterns that that I've, you know, seen you play over the years. I, I mean, it's just. I, you know, the word I come up with is stupefying, you know, I mean, it's just like, wow, how does he do that? You know? Um, so I want to skip ahead just a little bit because I think this is important and, you know, I mean, certainly our show is, is all about drumming and, and music, but in 1990, um, you decided you wanted to leave Cuba. And of course, you know, at, at that time, it, it was pretty hard, you know. Um, right. So, am I understanding the story correct that you were actually on tour in Europe when you applied for asylum to the U.S.? Yes, yes. And well, you, 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 you had some issues actually making the move to the states, right? Yeah, yeah. It was quite a story. Quite, quite a, a weird story. Because I thought it was going to be a lot easier than what it became. So I landed in Rome and went to the American embassy to ask for a, for a political asylum. And they asked me why I wanted to go to the United States. And, and I said, because, because I am a musician, because I was a musician. And also because I wanted to be free. Sure. And they told me, and they told me in the American consulate in, in Rome, they told me, if you want to be free, you can be free here in Rome. You don't have to go to the United States. And also, you know how many musicians we have in the United States without work? <laughs> we don't need, we don't need more. So, so goodbye, sir. We'll see you soon. <laughs> Yeah, but, but that that time it was uh, it was a law for Cubans only for Cubans. Look how we think that if if we reach reach uh, the American soil, then we got the right for the political side. Right. So that 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 was how I did it. I reached 
you know, U.S. mainland it, and then asked for the asylum, and that was it. I gotcha. Well, so, I mean, I the reason I bring it up, it's, you know, I mean, I think there's a lot of things that, that we as Americans take for granted, and, and that's, you know, anybody can, you know, go buy a drum set and learn how to play right. and start forming bands. It wasn't right. that easy for you to get here and start your your career here. So I wanted to kind of point that out. But, you know, once you arrived in the United States, I, you know, right. it seems like it was immediate that everybody said, you know, started talking about El Negro. Right. I mean, it was modern drummer, you know, the MD festival. And, you know, right. you, you were kind of everywhere all of a sudden. But right. I, I have a feeling you had to work to get to that point. Well, the work, the work was already done. <laughs> it was the million hours of practicing that I did not just in Cuba, but also the two and a half years that I was in Italy. I was teaching at the University of Rome, and I had amazing conditions to practice there. So I was really using my time the best I was able to. I was teaching six, five, six hours a day and practicing another six or seven hours every day. Yeah. And then as soon as I arrived, I arrived to to this, to New York and the day after Paquito de Rivera invited me to play on a record that won the Grammy. So that was the day, right the day after I arrived here in the States. Oh, you're kidding like me. like you say, like you say, like from there it was like a, a total roller coaster. It was like non-stop, non-stop for, it's been for 30 years now, the non-stop. Wow. So, so literally the day after you arrived, you played mm-hmm. on a record and won a Grammy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the next yeah. year. That's crazy. Yeah, exactly. The day after. Wow. I mean, that's, yeah. that's an amazing story. I didn't realize that it was, you know, the day after you, you got to New York, you, you recorded that right. record. Wow. That's, yeah. that's yeah. awesome. It's the record is called 40 years of Cuban jump sessions. Wow. That's so yeah. awesome. Now, <laughs> so I think, you know, as far as popular music is concerned, I think the, the, where you're most well known in rock circles, because, you know, everybody knows about the, the Afro Cuban and the jazz stuff. But right. You were on the great, you know, Carlos Santana record, Supernatural. Right. Right. So, I mean, how is it? I, I, let me figure out how I want to frame this question, but you're so versatile. Do you, if you were explaining yourself to someone, would you say, I'm a jazz drummer, I am a, you know, a Latin drummer, or would you say, no, I'm a rock guy? Because you said, you know, Bonham and Ringo and, and Charlie Watts right. were your main influences. But I love it all. I mean, I truly love every kind of drumming. I think it's two kinds of music as well as two kinds of drumming. It's good drumming and bad drumming. Amen. It, it doesn't matter if it's rock or jazz or funk or Afro-Cuban or Brazilian, or, you know. So if we learn, if we learn what is good and how 
how we get to to sound to try to sound the best we can in every style. If we really love those styles, because I guess you don't, you cannot play something you don't like too. You know what I mean? But if you like it, it's I don't know. I think it's a blessing for me. It's a blessing. I like it. I like all of those different kinds of play. You know, it's very interesting to me. Just the the part from the sound of each style, you know, which is totally different. Yeah, you, you cannot play rock the same way you play jazz or Afro-Cuban. Totally different ways of hitting the drum, ways of placing the notes, ways of different everything. You know. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I was just kind of curious how you know how you viewed it because you you know, you're so versatile. I mean, you just play every kind of music well. And, you know, I, a guy like me, and I've said this on this show so many times, I'm a, I'm a rock drummer. I mean, that's just where my comfort zone is. Right. I'm not very good with the jazz, you know, certainly not very good with Afro Cuban or, or Latin styles. So right. the, the versatility that I think you've brought to the table for so many years is pretty incredible because you're not just one type of player, you know. Uh, maybe also probably the drummer I had admired most in my life is Steve Gatt. Oh, yeah. You know, and Steve was, I mean, I wanted to be like Steve Gatt. And when I got, for example, to the studio in Havana, that was the feeling I was having. I am like the Steve Gatt of Cuba. I'm recording everything here with everybody and trying to, to make it sound the best I can for everybody else. So yeah. I'm a good soldier, a very good soldier. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's a, a, a very accurate description of you, you know, the, the Steve Gadd of Cuba. And, you know, I, I think what is... I think what gets lost on people is just how many records Steve played on. You know, I mean, I, I, it's un, unbelievable how many. Thousands. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, I would challenge anybody, turn on the radio today and right. you're not going to listen for more than 10 or 15 minutes until you hear Steve Gadd drumming. Definitely. Definitely. You know, so it's, Definitely. it's pretty amazing. Now, um, yeah. Uh, Horacio, let's talk a little bit about the new project that you have going here. Um, it, it is a CD, DVD, um, big band setting. And um, when we were talking beforehand, you said it's already available digitally, but the, the right. physical release is coming a little bit later on. Talk to right. me a little bit about that project. This is a, a project we started 10 years ago at the Auditorium of Rome in Italy with my band Italuba. Italuba is a play on words of Italy and Cuba. And the reason the name appeared it was because I went to Italy like 15 years ago on what was supposed to be a clinic tour, just a drum clinics. And when I got there, there were signs all over saying, this afternoon we're gonna have a master class with a Negro, and tonight we're gonna have a concert of a Negro and his band. And a Negro never had a band before. <laughs> so I was in a big mess. 
And the guy told me, the guy who took me, told me, don't worry, we make a jump session. And the first day, everybody who had an instrument in the in town came. And it was like that four-hour non-stop jam session with a hundred people. Crazy, totally crazy. So I told the guy, no, 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 if you want, I played by myself for 10 hours, but don't make me do this jam like And by a miracle, the day after I had off, and they invited me to a jam, and there was the bass player that has been the bass player for Italua for the past 15 years. And and he knew me for the moment of the video with Paripushi and all of that. And, and then he told me, wow, what are you doing here? I told him, nothing, I'm in this, in this mess, you know. And he told me, I know a, a piano player and a trumpet player, Cuban guys that live in Italy too, that they are very good musicians. So we reunited and it was like love at first sight. Boom. Um, and I had to do like 10 clinics, something like that. But at the end of the clinic too, we already had a repertoire, everything we record <clears throat> there in Italy. And that was the very beginning of a Negro having a band. And the band has been together now for 15 years. We're going to put out soon our fourth record, which is in the mixing process now. But, but we just released this DVD. That, that it was a project, as I told you, we started with the orchestra of the Auditorium of Rome in Italy. And wow. when we were in the middle of the recording, the, the economic crisis hit Italy very badly, and the Auditorium uh, was not able to afford the orchestra anymore. So the Auditorium of Rome had no jazz band anymore since then. So the project was in the air, I took it to New York and tried to record it in New York, and also it was a little bit challenging, mostly rhythmically, for the whole sections of the orchestras in New York. So <clears throat> I took it just a year ago back to Cuba, and we found a, a, an amazing studio, amazing orchestra, and we planned the DVD and we did it. And already, already won the Cuba Disco Award, which is like the, the Cuban Grammys kind of. So now we are promoting in the States and and trying to, to get into the Grammys, into the American and the Latin Grammys here in the States too. Yeah, sure, yeah. of course. But it's a, it's a big band, as you say, a big band DVD with actually two percussion players, Roberto Miscaino Sr., who was my bandmate in Gonzalo Rubalcaba's band for 10 years, and his son, Roberto Miscaino Jr., which is a marvelous uh, youngster, a, mo a, a monster youngster, kind of. And, and with them... Uh, on, on the percussion section, with them, we did it, and it sounds incredible. Actually, I was looking uh, in this, with this format, with these two percussion players, I was trying to to let them, I, I let them play the Afro-Cuban uh, rhythmic 
structures and I was more holding the band, uh, playing beats that maybe an American drummer would play it that, that way more, you know? Right. Sometimes I feel when I play by myself, sometimes, I mean, when I say myself, I mean as, as, a, as only one drummer in the band with no precautionist. Sometimes I feel that is uh, is difficult right. for people to understand this kind of drumming because it's too many things happening at once. Right. Yeah. You know, but but when you have a precautionist with you, you can play more in a funk oriented way or in a rock oriented way, and let the precautionist play the the <clears throat> the Afro Cuban stuff. You know. Sure, absolutely. And that, that way, it's, I think it's more easier. It's easier to understand for not just for drummers, but for musicians in general. It's easier to understand that that is a connection in between every kind of music. Right. You know. So, so that that was the idea of the drumming of every kind. Of, yeah. Well, I, I mean, and I think you make a really good point there in that, you know, I, I, I think just the general public, not necessarily musicians, but people that, right. you know, pick up a record, if it's overly complex rhythmically, they lose interest exactly. very quickly, you know. I, you exactly. Know, so, you know, I, I'll put on, you know, I, I don't know, a dream theater record and, and let one of my friends hear it that's not a musician. And, and of course, you know, Mike Portnoy, Mike Mangini, those guys can just do, you know, unnatural things. And they're like, I don't right. get, I don't get it. Right. <laughs> you know, so right. we we kind of lose sight of that. Some drummers do anyway. That you you have to play for the song and the and the general population rather than just putting every chop you know into it. You know, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, what else have you been up to here recently? I mean, it sounds like the the big band project. I mean, I know that that you know uh, Italuba. You've been doing that for a number of years, but are you still are you still teaching and doing recording sessions? What else do you have going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do everything, everything. Teaching, recording sessions, touring. I play still. Like I don't know. Maybe last time I I made the count, I was playing with twenty one bands. Oh my God! You know, so it's nobody works constantly, but always is two or three of them playing touring. So it's been, a, as I told you, like a thirty-year non-stop going around the world, and also going around the world doing teaching dates. Uh, you know, master classes or clinics or drum camps. Like this July, this July we're gonna have a very good drum camp. That is gonna be my third time in Croatia, in the beautiful town of Grozno. And there is a camp that I actually a couple of years ago I had the the amazing pleasure of being there with Steve Gad. <laughs> we played together and stuff, and <clears throat> and then I'm doing it again this year. So so as you see. We put all together. We jump from from a clinic to a concert to to a recording session of a different kind of music 
to a concert with them and all the band and things like that. You know, sometimes you go out of the house for a month and you do six or seven different projects. Right. Well, so I, that that brings up an interesting question, I think. Logistically, mm-hmm. doing all these different things, and you said 21 different, you know, musical affiliations. Right. Who who takes care of your schedule for you? I mean, I, it's hard enough for me to do the podcast and play in a band, you know, I can't imagine right. doing clinics and master classes and recording sessions and tours all right. the time. I mean, do you ever just sleep? <laughs> yeah, I try, I try, <laughs> but sometimes it's hard. Sleep is, is something for the airplanes. Something right. You do on the, on the airplane. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you you get it where you can, but I mean, just staying that busy, you know, now the question is, you know, are you going to keep at it that hard and, 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 you know, for the foreseeable future? You know, I mean, obviously you're still a fairly young guy, but I mean, do you want to keep that busy? I don't. Jamie, and the main reason why I don't want to keep this busy is because out of everything, what I really love is to practice, to study, you know, to get into into my rhythmic world. And, and, and when I get in that zone, I can stay there forever, you know. And I miss a lot of that. And certainly... If we don't practice, we are not gonna get better. Right. And and, and get better easy is my my goal, my dream always, you know. Sure. To see how how we can do to get better and better. Well, I mean, I just can't imagine staying that busy for this long. You know, I mean, I and and you've really never had a break. You know, I mean, I, I think some guys who are in just one band, you know, you, you do a record, you do a tour, and then you take six months off just to kind of recuperate. You've never really had any downtime in your career. Well, it's, it's also because of having the amazing fortune of being called by the musicians that, that I've been getting calls from. How you say no? How you say no to Michel Camilo? How you say no to Gonzalo Guacaba? Yeah. Or to, uh, or to Santana? Or to, you know what I mean? You cannot say no. Yeah. It's, it's too much of a dream happening to, to turn away, you know? Sure. Well, I, I mean, just, the, you know, your output that you've had over the years is, is just simply amazing. And, and I've, I, you know, from day one, I've always been a huge fan of your playing. So it's a real treat for me to get you to to come on the show. Now, what I would like I, what I would like for you to do, if you'll indulge us for a minute, um, you know, I think you will have a very interesting perspective on this, but we always ask everyone for good advice for drummers. And I want you to take as long as you want, but talk to me a little bit about what you would advise other musicians and other drummers. Well, advice is not always going to be so many, but to me, it starts with... with we have in the conscience that this is an everyday, every single day ordeal 
this is not one day we practice 20 hours and then we don't practice for three days. <laughs> it's not that way. That's, that would be the first advice. Then, then to me, the most important word for a drummer is the word precision. We gotta be precise. We gotta work on precision. We gotta work on dynamics. You know, precision in every dynamic, in every, you know, we gotta be precise when we hit hard and we gotta be precise when we hit very piano. And, and then constant, to be constant. And then never divorce from the music. You know, the best drummer in the world to me, is the one that plays what the music needs. Yeah. All the time. You know, if the music needs one hit, we got to play one hit. And if the music needs a thousand hits, then we have to play a thousand hits. So we got to be prepared yeah. to be able to, to play a thousand. But if we play it in the wrong place, we're going to get fired. <laughs> yes. So, so the most important thing is the relation with music, our personal relationship with music, that it has to be as constant as our practicing routines or practicing schedules. You know, we always have to leave time of the day to listen to music and to listen to music consciously, not just that the music is playing and, and it's around us. Yeah, we are absorbing, absorbing something that way too, but it's nothing like when we seek to analyze uh, somebody's playing or to analyze somebody's music or how this music was played. It's very important to, to have a, a relationship with music, you know? Yeah. So, so to me, I guess those are the, the funda fundamental advices. Yeah. Well, and it's fantastic advice. Now, you, you talk about listening to music. So I'm curious, um, you know, you mentioned some of your influences, but what are you listening to these days? And, I, and I'm sure it's a mix of every different kind of style, but who are some of the up and coming young percussionists and drummers that that you see a lot of potential in oh it's, it's many of them i love juliana mark juliana uh, oh so many very good kids these days but it's what i see is like it's it's a lot of good drummers and musicians but it's not too much good music made uh-huh so so when I listen to music, usually I still I still keep listening to to the records I learned with to to those four drummers, for example, Billy Cobham, Steve Gatt, Lenny White, and Tony Williams, for example. You know, those four guys are uh, uh, an endless fountain of influences and an endless fun time of good music because they all play with very good musicians and, and very good, very good music in general. Sure. Do you, 
do you find new things each time you go back to those records? Because I, I know I do. Like when I go back and listen to Led Zeppelin three or Led Zeppelin four, I'm still hearing new things in those songs. Definitely. Definitely. And more and more intimate you get with those records and more you're going to find. Because, yeah. I mean, none of that music it is no two bars that are the same in any of that music. You know what I mean? I do. It's totally spontaneous. So, so that is that is something that that is very curious. How you learn spontaneity? You know what I mean? Oh, I do. You can. It's no way to copy that. So we can learn how how a drummer respond to a bass player or respond to a melody line or to a singer or to a guitar player. How will the drummer respond to the music? But the spontaneity itself, how we learn that is just letting us, letting ourselves go and, and make the music play us instead of us play the music. Yeah. You know, just react to, to react with the total natural naturality that you react when you hear something, you know. Absolutely. And you Nothing know that, that another thing that I find amazing um, and, and I want you to speak to this and I, I want to be respectful of your time. I'm not going to keep you much longer. But one of the things that I find amazing is the spontaneity aspect is when you have, you know, um, I don't know, a, a fill in guitar player or you're playing with a new trumpet player for the first time. At least with mm -hmm. my playing, I play differently. I react differently to different people. And sometimes it brings out something new in my playing. Do you have that experience? Always, always. Definitely. Everybody is a, a universe. Every musician is a universe. And every musician transmits something different than the others. So that's why it's very good to be able to play with so many different people. Because you're learning exactly that. You're learning how to react uh, spontaneously with, with spontaneity to different, in different ways, in many different ways. You know, it's many formats too. There is the trio, quartet, quintet, until you go to the big band. So, so of course, all of those, all of the sounds that are around you are gonna affect the way you're gonna play every time, every time. Well, I, you know, I think the uh, the universe that you have brought to us over the years and what you're transmitting is just some of the best drumming on earth. Um, again, I'm such oh. a such a fan and uh, cannot wait to get my hands on the new CD and DVD and check it out. Um, we're going to send some folks your way to, to check that out as well. Um, please, uh, Negro, keep in touch. Let us know what you have going on. You are welcome on this program anytime. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jenny. It's been a pleasure. Oh, it's been a pleasure to speak with you.
Well, the pleasure has been all mine and uh, we'll have you back anytime. Best of luck out there and uh, we'll be in touch real soon. Great. Thank you so much, Jimmy. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you. All right, everybody, that's going to wrap up episode 72 of the Drum Shuffle. Uh, What an honor for me uh, and many, many thanks go out to Negro for taking time out of his extremely busy schedule to come on the show. Uh, How cool was that? I'll just I'll just say it that way. Um, Just so cool for me and such an honor to have such a legendary drummer on the show this week. Speaking of the show, um, I am toying around with the idea of taking some time off this summer. As I mentioned in my intro, uh, my daughter is going away to North Carolina for her high school career starting in August. So I'm toying around with the idea of taking a month or so off. Let me know what you think. Send me an email to the drum shuffle podcast at gmail.com. I wouldn't want any of you guys to forget about me if I were to take three or four weeks off. So let me know what you think. Uh, it's always good to take a break from things. Um, again, nothing has been decided firmly, but I am thinking about taking a little bit of time off this summer to spend with the family and get my daughter moved to North Carolina. Now, um, we have some fantastic guests lined up, so uh, don't worry. We're going to have a show next week and the week after and all that good stuff, so you're not going to want to miss those. So hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using to listen in. Uh, You don't want to miss any episodes. I promise you that. So hit the subscribe button. The biggest thing you can do to help us here at the Drum Shuffle is share a link with a friend. If you know any drummers or any musicians that would be interested in hearing these interviews each week, send them a link to www.thedrumshuffle.com. It helps us more than you know. Again, our email address is thedrumshufflepodcast at gmail.com. We do answer every single email that we receive. My web address is jamieeds.com, and you can find all of my social media links over there for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and I do try to put some stuff out every week, so you can follow us on those platforms as well. Thank you all so much for listening. We simply cannot do this show without each and every one of you doing so week in and week out. So until next time, may your heads stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.